Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein, and I'm here as I am all the time because she can't get rid of me, <laughs> my partner in crime, Caitlin Postal. Hey. How are you today, Caitlin? Hey, Brian. I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well still in the sweltering heat here in New Jersey. Um, and today we have with us uh, our very own former Cy Young Award winner, uh, Whiplash VP of Ops on the West Coast, Mike Vendetti. How are you, Mike? Thanks, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Hi, Caitlin. Good to see you. And uh, I, Brian's right. You haven't been able to shake him, I see. <laughs> Hey, Mike, thanks for agreeing to come on, sparing me being alone with this guy. Yeah, I I understand completely. I understand completely. Uh, HR, that's a joke. Just just a 100%. (laughs) This is a morning episode, right? No drinks to be had here. No no drinks, exactly. We all have our coffee. Right. So so good, Mike, tell us a little bit. uh, You've been with uh, Whiplash now for... um, three years about, about three years yeah nice. yeah i've uh, been doing this uh for probably more years than i care to count um but uh you know started in retail uh grocery distribution and then uh morphed into the 3pl world spent some time with amazon temperature control um so it's been uh, it's been quite a journey and uh now i find myself out on the west coast for the last 17 18 years and uh, uh just when you think you've seen it all uh we see what 2020 brought us exactly exactly and, and you know it's funny because i know we were in a meeting the other day and i called us salty old dogs which i kind of find as a term of endearment um, yes, that, that yes. just means we've seen a lot of shit over the time over our over our time yes yes and you know it's interesting right you know you just when you as i said you think you've seen it all um you know, you, you have, you walk into a pandemic and, uh, you know, anybody who says they've got this figured out either is very new to the business or is really delusional at this point, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, the pandemic has brought on things that I don't know that we necessarily thought like at one point we didn't know if we were going to have any business. Well, actually we didn't even know if we were all going to live. Right. So we were, we were all worried about living. Good place to start. Yeah. Living. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and then we were worried about how we were going to continue the supply chain without putting any of our associates at risk. So we had to, we had to battle that. Um, then, then all of a sudden the service industry, you know, which is hotels and airlines and restaurants and all that, like they were closed. which you would, you would think injected more people into the workforce for supply chain, but that really wasn't the impact, right? No, it wasn't. And, you know, as, as you said, right. uh, You know, living was the first priority of the day. I think uh, Maslow nailed that at the bottom of his uh, pyramid of uh, motivation, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) we, we, We got, I think he knew what he was doing. Um, but you're right. You would think that there would have been an influx of labor available. I think if the market left to its own, 
It may have been, but when you factor it in, and not to get too political, but when you factor in the government reach on this mm-hmm. and what that caused, right? Uh, when folks in warehouse roles, as we're discussing, have the opportunity to make as much or more and stay home, um, that's a safer option, obviously. And then you factor in the ability of parents that were working and no longer had daycare available because their kids were at home. Um, you throw that wrinkle into it. And look, I mean, we were already we were already dealing with challenges of labor in the supply chain. Right. I mean, uh, the the 16 to say 60 demographic was actually shrinking for the first time to begin with, right? right. That labor pool. Um, transportation was shrinking, right? The driver shortage issues. So you take all those constraints and then you go ahead and layer in this uh, uh, this little thing called the pandemic and you've got the recipe for a perfect storm, right? Right, right. And I, I could tell you like firsthand, so my, my, my wife is a, is, is a principal at a middle school and she knows firsthand, you know, with those, with the students being remote, how, how that, how much that impacted a lot of parents who depend on dropping their kid off at school so they can go to work. Right. Right. So that, that definitely contributed as well, because if you don't have that, your only, your only alternative is to go to private daycare, uh, which costs money. Um, which you don't normally have to pay for. And, you know, when you're talking about uh, in, in the environment that we're in, um, you, you need, you know, not everybody can afford that. And, and so that, that keeps people away as well. So now fast forward, we, we go through 2020, we, you know, we get through that period. E-commerce continues to have record growth, right? And I know we've talked about this in the past. We, we, we had, uh, you know, April and May of 20, had more volume than we had in November, December of 2019 by far, right? So we we're exceeding peak. That never, that never stopped, right? That continued to progress. So here we are now in 2021, and that labor still hasn't fully returned nationally. Right. And, and you bring up a great point, um, you know, just even within our organization, you know, we probably pulled forward that third leg of the omni-channel stool about two years, three years, right? From a growth standpoint, you know, I affectionately tell my wife, I guess this internet thing may stick around for a while. I guess it's not a fad after all, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Salty old dog. Yeah. The exactly. exactly. Yes. 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 I want to, I want a Google's thing. Um, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's really interesting. So, you know, now you have a scenario where, you know, folks are shopping at home. Yep. Um, they're at home longer. Then, then let's take the other factor of pumping trillions of dollars into the economy where we're really not making or producing anything more. So people want to spend that money. Right. So now you've got the demand is just, is just running rampant. Now that would be challenging enough to deal with if we didn't have all the unevenness in the supply chain, right? right. I mean, we, we have all those factors that are playing into this. I mean, you know, I remember having this talk internally as far back as March and April saying, 
and, and again, maybe I'm just a glass half empty at the time. I don't know. But I said, as challenging as 2020 was, I, I don't think we've seen anything yet for what 2021 on the back half is going to bring. Because, And I mean that from the standpoint of the, the unevenness of things. And I think we lived off the balance in 2020. So we didn't have the massive container shortages. We didn't have, yeah, we had pockets of issues and some unevenness. But right now we are are so disjointed, um, you know, chassis, containers, uh, things getting out of China, things getting into the port, things getting out of the port. Um, so even if a customer is able to nail their forecast, mm-hmm. it's still, there's so many hurdles staring at us right now that I don't think we had to even deal with as much in 2020. No, no, uh, I, I would tend to agree. I mean, I just everything within the supply chain right now is just so complicated, you know, for, for us in our industry, getting, you know, material handling equipment, getting, you know, PCs and, and, and computers and printers and everything is so delayed uh, that there's a lot going on uh, just to try to get that in on time to, to be able to furnish our distribution channel or fulfillment centers. Right. So yeah. there's, yeah. A, there's a lot there. And, you know, fortunately, you know, and I'm going to go back to your comment, you started having these conversations in February and March And, and let me just, for, for anyone listening, if you're doing your own fulfillment in-house or if you're at a 3PL and the conversations have yet to start or even just beginning, you are already way behind, right? This, there is no way that you are going to make it up this year. You cannot improvise. It's not going to happen if you don't have a solid plan to have your facilities staffed by the time you hit peak, you are already behind the eight ball. Um, and, and, and this year, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping, and this is probably a lot of wishful thinking that, you know, when schools start to go back and, and stimulus money starts to run out, that there might be a little bit of an influx of, of people, but I think that's just me being an optimist. And now I'm going to turn it back to the glass half empty guy, <laughs> self-described. And, and Mike, can you, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing to get out in front of this labor situation for, for this uh, upcoming peak? Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. You brought up a couple of things though, that I think are worth, you know, you brought up basics, things that we took for granted, even coming off of the immediate lockdowns a year ago, you know, an iPad, a computer, things that, you know, are chip related that you can't get right now, or the lead time is so long, right. Um, you know, we can, you know, Mr. Bezos is able to get a rocket into space, but you know, we can't, we can't get a chip right now to run my iPads, you know, but, uh, well, they all so, might be in the rocket, by the way, that's a good point. <laughs> Maybe part of that, the problem. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That's a great point. Um, but you know, you, you, you take a step back and say, okay, different times call for different types of thinking. Right. And so, you know, like a lot of companies with this D to C growth is, especially the D to C growth, not to say that the retail wholesale is going away, but I'm just talking about that D to C segment. What, what did we see in 2020? Well, we didn't see that black Friday, cyber Monday, proverbial hockey stick as much as we would have seen. Right. 
we saw customers pulling demand or stores pulling demand or buyers pulling it forward. So we saw volume in October, we saw it in November, we saw it into early mid December. Um, you know, you brought up the word hope and I know everybody likes to say that's not a strategy, but you know what, at times that's the best you've got. Right. So I'm hoping that that repeats itself. Right. Um, that's number one. Number two, you know, what this whole thing has forced at least me personally to do is revisit my own paradigms. And what I mean by that is I used to think of seasonal support or added staffing as a all or nothing proposition. And what I mean is, it's a 40 hour type of proposition. Well, maybe not. Maybe I need to take a step back and reevaluate that and say, what's wrong with having a gal or guy that wants to come in and maybe only work one or two nights a week, or maybe they have a full-time job and want to just work on a Saturday, or maybe somebody wants to work on a Sunday. And, and so in the past we would have said, Oh, that's crazy. We don't, you know, we don't want to do that. The training and this and that well uh, understood, but it's especially heavy D to C growth. Nobody's okay with placing an order on Friday and not seeing it till the following Wednesday. Right. So, you know, we're essentially now a seven day operation and we have to think like one and we have to broaden our hours. And, and that means looking at all avenues of labor. Right. So um, it's something that, you know, I'm looking at with another company and um, and I'm really I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea uh, and I hope we can make it work. Yeah. Excellent. And, and I, you know, that piece, obviously there's a training component. If you're only bringing somebody in once a week uh, or, you know, that's a little bit different than if they're coming in three or four hours of their choosing several days a week. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, I think we, we've gotten to the point where we have to explore those kind of opportunities uh, and give people the flexibility that they might need because you know what, we're already operating. We're to your point, we're open seven, six, seven days a week and you're in a multiple shifts. So if we can, if we can supplement that workforce by having these people just come in temporarily, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great plan. W what are we doing in, in, in order to get out in front of more of the full-time folks? Well, there's a couple of things, right? Um, you know, I guess the first thing you have to ask yourself is, are you looking to bring people on as just the seasonal hired guns? So you have to ask yourself, are you bringing people in to work for eight weeks, 12 weeks, and then look the part ways? I, I think in this day and age, that could be a real challenge too, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my thought is we need to try to find a way to bring people in and let them know that we have a home for them, right? This isn't just a, you know, hey, thanks for the support and we'll see you next year. Um, leave your contact info and badge at the door. Right. We're, we're trying to get beyond that, right? So the other thing that I'm noticing, and if you drive around the Southern California area, um, you know, I was laughing when you said the heat in New Jersey and I'm thinking, what was it? 78 degrees? Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's been like 105. We have humidity, there, but... Mike. We have humidity. Oh, okay. <laughs> got, got it. Got it. You know, fair enough. I'll tell you, you're right. Um, I forgot being a former East coaster. Um, but, uh, you know, if you look around with what I find interesting and, and, and it's, you're seeing it manifest itself in a lot of ways, right? You know, Brian, you see this every day, commercial real estate going through the roof. I mean, they're literally, 
literally getting, you know, 10 offers, you know, the writing contracts on the hood of cars. It's crazy. Right. Yep. Uh, we're seeing, you know, pallets that used to cost six bucks now costing 1650 right. uh, containers that used to cost 2,200 from China are costing 16, 17, $18,000. Yep. Um, you know, so you're seeing runaway costs now you're also seeing that cost pressure going over into the labor market right um you know i, I just read a study uh, not too long ago where wages are up like 10.4 10.5 percent on average from 2019 this same time period um but when you drive around the california market you see people with no warehousing experience and and people are being asked to come in and make two three four five dollars over minimum wage with signing bonuses and i'm not you know at the risk of quoting our ceo mr walpov here i i do believe there's a risk of throwing money at a problem right right and and i truly believe there are companies out there uh that are making a a mistake in the sense that they think that money is the root of everything and that's going to solve their labor issues and right. they're going to put themselves in a precarious situation well, I, I mean, isn't that a little bit about what you read with Amazon, right? So they, they pay more than everybody. That's their reputation. They go into a market, they, they go in and they, and they pay up, which is fine. But then their reputation is that they chew you up and spit you out. Right. And, right. and so I, I, you know, I, I wonder where we are now and, and I'm sure you can speak to this, that, you know, money's important. I mean, these are not, these are not, high paying job. These are hourly wage jobs. I mean, we, you know, we, we pay competitive to market, mm -hmm. uh, as, as everybody should, but I, I, I'm sensing more and more that people are going back to the, Hey, I want to be proud of where I work, mm -hmm. proud of who I work for. I want to feel part of something. And, and, and is, are there things that, that you're currently doing mm -hmm. to ensure that we, we get that message out to our workforce? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question, right? Um, the one thing that historically that, uh, you know, you try to do is the very things that you touched on is, you know, what what is that environment? What, you know, I think people want to come to work on a daily basis. Yes, they need to make a competitive wage, you know, no, no ifs, ands, or buts. But right, study after study after study after study says that, Usually in the hierarchy of things, that's usually third, fourth, fifth, depending on what it is, right? It usually boils down to how are they treated? How are they valued? Is there growth opportunities for me? Is there an opportunity for me to go from maybe an hourly person to a lead, to a supervisor, et cetera? And, you know, as, as it is in our organization, and I'm very happy to see this, I, I probably take more pride in seeing folks that have come through the ranks and have had an opportunity to grow. And, you know, it's funny. I I've done some sensing sessions with our associates over the last couple of months. And, you know, you would think when I ask folks, you know, what are some of your challenges or complaints? You know, it's, you'll, you'll get, of course, somebody saying, well, you know, I'd love to make, you know, $27 more an hour. Of course I get right. it. But you know, what's funny almost every time I've asked that question, it comes down to, well, you know, I wish my supervisor would listen to me a little more, or I wish I had more supplies 
I, I, you know, I, I always have to be looking for a tape gun or a box cutter or what, and, you know, so it's, it's so many things that are within your control that you don't necessarily always have to throw money at the issue to solve, right. um, or at least minimal amount, um, you know, showing appreciation, right. For your folks saying, thank you. I mean, I know it sounds cliche and so simple, but it's amazing how far those things go. Yeah. And, and, and interestingly enough, those, the, the first points you said, uh, my supervisor listening, having more equipment, what they're asking is, geez, I wish I can, I, I wish I had the tools to do a better job. Yeah. Right. So they, they, again, you, you've got associates who want to have an impact because they want to speak to their supervisor and be heard. They want the right tools that they need to be more successful at their role. So these are these, again, there's always, there's always going to be the money factor. Always. But I think there's a, you know, realistically, everybody knows there's only a certain amount that you can make at, at a level. And then to your point, you mentioned it earlier, giving them the opportunity to advance. Well, also, I think it sounds like creating that sense of community and building that culture so that they're not just thinking, okay, we're going to bring in, I liked what you said about leave your badge, see you next, see you next summer, see you next winter, whatever the case may be. Right. What is that? What is the next step? How can I maybe make a little bit more? Um, which I think is, is a great strategy in, in retaining the labor, right? Because once you have them, don't, don't you dare let them go. Right. Well, you know, it's, it, you bring up a great point, Caitlin. And I always tell people, look, I, I think it's important as an organization, we have to invest in our folks to get them to stay. Now that said, there always is an inherent risk that you could invest in folks and there may be an opportunity that they just can't pass up and, and it's too good to go. And in which case my feeling on that's always been, you know what, I'm going to wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully, you know what, as everybody on, you know, as we're talking here, this is a really small industry, right? Mm -hmm. The proverbial family tree does not afford very much. Right. <laughs> and so everybody knows everyone. And sometimes your pants may cross again. And, right. you know, the best word of mouth, frankly, is that they speak highly of your organization wherever they go. Yep. Wow. They gave me great opportunities to learn and grow. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. You know, so what does that mean for us? Well, we've invested in a company to have, you know, we've created learning tracks, not only for managers and supervisors, but for leads, for hourly folks, uh, to learn and develop their skills um, because, you know, they're out there on the floor day to day and they're really making things happen. So we want to continue to put back and invest in them. And uh, it's been met with a lot of uh, a lot of positive uh response from the folks that have been involved. And uh, I'm really excited because now the leads are going to be part of this. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be other key folks that are out there on the floor that maybe don't have a title, but they say, wow, look at how, you know, Sally's developing or look at how Joe is doing. You know, I really want to take that next step. The company looks like they want to stand behind us and give us the tools to be successful. So uh, I'm really excited by that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so Mike, if you, if you had to sort of sum up your key points of, of, of how to really get out in front of this labor coming into peak, you, you know, what, what would be your, 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 your key mm. pieces of wisdom that you would impart to uh, anybody listening? <laughs> yes, Don't give it wisdom. all away, Mike. Don't give it yes. all away. <laughs> yes. Wisdom. Wisdom. Um, 
you know, I never thought I'd be asked anything around the term wisdom in the same sentence, but Hey, here we go. <laughs> I, I think, I, I would think the first thing you have to do is different times. As I said earlier, call for different thinking, challenge all your existing paradigms around staffing and how you operate today. Um, you know, again, does it have to be full-time? Does it, you know, how do you cover? Are there remote work possibilities that you need to tap into? Does everybody have to be sitting here uh, in the building at the time, especially during, you know, peak periods? I, I would say the environment, we touched on that. Um, you know, really consider what you're bringing people in for. Is there opportunity to keep people? Um, because that's really your differentiator, right? If, if everybody in your brother's just looking to hire people for 90 days and cut them loose, then you're into a price and it's a commodity play. Everybody's right. going to be throwing dollars at it. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, this term gets used a lot, I, customer intimacy, right? I, I think that you really, if the expectation is that your customers are going to be able to tell you what they think the volume is going to be, you're going to, much like your comment earlier, Brian, about being prepared, you're going to be sorely disappointed. The customers will do the best they can do, but you're going to have to use a little bit of what the customer gives you, a little bit of what you're seeing in your market, a little bit of what uh, you're seeing currently going on in the market, kind of mash it all together and at least get you somewhat down the road to a, what I would call a Q4 forecast. And then on top of that, go ahead and put a fudge factor of about 50% because that's about as accurate, I think, as you're going to be able to be. And if, and if the expectation is you're going to staff for only what the customer tells you, I think you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Right. It's always easier to get labor out the door during peak season than it is to try to draw it in. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, this has been very informative, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, you, you and I have been doing this for, for many years and I, I think, you know, just the e-commerce and, and, and how this, this cyber week has turned into such a spike, uh, then factor in the pandemic and everything else. It's, it's sort of, it's sort of changed the game a lot. Um, it really has. As I said, we lived off it, Brian, last year. Uh, we, we were ahead of the curve a little bit because of what was already in place, but you can throw that out the window this year, I think. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's Mike Vendetti, uh, VP of operations on the West coast for us here at whiplash. Appreciate you coming on today. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Caitlin, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll send some of my heat your way. You can keep the humidity too. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, Caitlin, walk us out. Sure. Thank you, Mike. Sounds like you have your work cut out for you this, uh, this year, but we're confident everyone. Thank you for joining. Check us out at sipping and shipping.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we'll see you uh, two Thursdays from today. Thank you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.